0: Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here tonight and together we're also gonna sow these mustard seed prayers that may not seem like much, but they have potential for God to do great things through them. Blessed be his wonderful name. I have a thought for us tonight that comes from the gospel of Matthew as we've been taking this journey through this incredible gospel. And I'm looking at a couple of verses uh, in chapter 13. Listen to the Lord. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. At this point in time, Jesus continued his teaching, but he continued it after he left the crowd. Uh, prior to this, all of his teaching was with the whole crowd around, but at this juncture, only his disciples are with him at this juncture. So he's giving teachings to those who call themselves uh, disciples of Christ, followers of Christ, Christians, if you will. And uh, in, in these two parables. Remember, a parable is just an illustration uh, that is using uh, some earthly connection to try to communicate a spiritual truth. And so in these two parables or illustration, Jesus is talking about himself. He is both the man and the merchant. Uh, and looking at the first one, notice that the man discovered treasure that was hidden in a field. Uh, the field here is the world. And so the, the treasure that had a great value is the kingdom of God and his governance that had been hidden at this juncture in the world because man as a general rule uh, did not know who God was, did not follow after God, and even his governance was not something that's predominant in the world. And Jesus was on the scene uh, to now find this, uh, this great treasure, if you will, and discovering this treasure. Notice he he went and he didn't hit it again. He hit it and he considered it so valuable that in his joy, he sold everything he had and purchased the field. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2: fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So in the parable, finding this treasure that he considered so valuable in his joy, he sold everything he had to purchase it. And now we have at the cross, Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. And that joy was the kingdom of God expressed through the church and the governance of God expressed through the church. Jesus spent all he had his whole life because his desire was to possess, to own this treasure And then you have the the parable of the merchant, uh, that Jesus, who's the merchant, notice he is searching for fine or costly pearls. Now, here's the interesting thing. To the Hebrew, pearls were worthless. They were not part of their culture as far as something to be valued. Gems were valued. Gold, silver were valued, but pearls in the Hebrew culture were considered worthless. Yet Jesus uses pearls here, fine pearls to to begin with, saying that he found them, and to him they were so valuable that, again, he sold everything to purchase them. Now, it's interesting that the Gentile nations they valued pearls greatly. And to the Gentile nations, pearls symbolized innocence and purity. It was, they symbolized the the triumph of purity over impurity, because you know, a pearl is made by the impurity, which is a grain of sand getting into the oyster, the clam, right? And that is an irritation to it. And in order to overcome the irritation, uh, the the clam secretes enough fluids that eventually harden around the grain of sand. And what began as an impurity, as an irritation, becomes something pure, innocent and of great value. Fine pearls were only used by kings in those days. Only a king was allowed to wear fine pearls. And so Jesus now is searching for something that the Jewish world did not consider of any worth, no value whatsoever. And that is the Gentile world. To the Hebrew, to the Jew, Gentiles were considered worthless, having no value whatsoever. But Jesus, when he found it, once again, he sold everything he had to buy it. And through the blood of Jesus, he purchased this fine pearl, which was the church, which includes Gentiles, and made the two one. Gentiles all non-Jews. In other words, that's, if you are not a Jew, then you are a Gentile, right? There's Jews and then Gentiles. And the Gentiles, we who were impure, have been made pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. We who were an irritation have now become valuable in God's eyes. So, now what does this all mean to you and I today? How do we connect this to our living today? Uh, what do these parables, these illustrations about Jesus have to do with you and I? Well, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 teaches us that whoever claims to live in him, meaning Jesus, must, come on, say must with me, must, must live as Jesus did. In other words, if we claim to be Christians, then we must, it's not an option, we must live our life the way Jesus lived his life. And so here's the kingdom principle I want to leave with you tonight. Remember, kingdom principles are these spiritual laws that govern the kingdom of God. And therefore, we should, should structure, must structure our lives around these kingdom principles in order to live a life that pleases God and that blesses us. So here's our kingdom principle for today. You have to give tre- up treasure to possess greater treasure. You have to give up treasure to possess greater treasure. Now, by greater treasure for us, here's the connection for us. The greater treasure is the presence of God and his governance in our life. In other words, in order for you and I to experience, when I say to possess, I'm talking about to experience God's uh, uh, manifest presence, God's abiding presence in our life and his governance whereby our lives are being led by the spirit of God. In order for you and I to possess, to experience this, we have to give up our own treasure. Now, what's our own treasure? It's simple. Our own treasure is this, everything that we value in life. Your treasure is whatever you value in this life. And notice now that to possess this greater treasure, and that's the, that's the title of this little uh, message here tonight, greater treasure to possess, p- possess this greater treasure, number one, here's what we have to realize. number one, it is hidden. greater treasure is hidden, not easily seen. The kingdom of God, the presence of God and his governance. Is hidden, like, like that, the, that treasure that was hidden in the field. It wasn't something that was obvious. Now, you may say, well, isn't that the presence of God obvious? No, it's really not. In fact, let me read to you in, in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in the 18th verse. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, which means as Christians, our eyes may not be enlightened. Why? Enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Listen, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There is riches, treasures that God has hidden in the church. I'm not talking about the physical building now. I'm talking about God's people. There is a a wonderful treasure that God has hidden in the church. And Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. I want God to enlighten you. I want God to reveal this to you, to show this to you, that there is an incredible treasure that God has hidden, and it's in the church, in his people. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for what? The church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the Apostle Paul is, is praying, I want God to enlighten you. I want him to flood your soul with light. How? Why? Because when we turn on the spiritual light, we see, we comprehend, we understand. And Paul said, there is a great treasure that God has hidden in the church, in his people. And Paul said, I'm praying that you get that. Why? Because, see, it's not easily seen. That's why as a people of God, listen, I'm not talking about somebody who's not saved. I'm talking about brothers and sisters who have embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, who had the Spirit of God dwelling within them. You can be all of that and still be blind to the treasure that's in the church. Because the church is something where you go in and you like punch your clock for an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday, and then you go about your life the rest of the week. That is spiritual darkness. That is not realizing that there is a greater treasure that's in the church. So this greater treasure is hidden. It's not easily seen. Secondly, it requires selling everything we value. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14 verse 33 in the same way those of you who do not give up what come on say it with me do not give up what everything you have cannot be my disciples those are Jesus' words not mine in other words there is this greater treasure and in order to see it, we need God to enlighten us because it's hidden in the saints. And then once we see it, we got to recognize now to embrace this greater treasure, we have to be willing to give up everything. We have to sell it all. You can't keep 90% or give 90% and keep 10%. You can't reserve a certain portion of your life and say, well, this is for me and the church could have the rest. No, God was very specific. Jesus was very specific. Unless you give up everything, you can't be my disciple. You can't experience my presence to the max. Notice that. Notice back in Ephesians, if I could just read that uh, one more time, uh, I'm going to look at uh, verse 23. Kirby, put verse 23 of, of chapter one. Verse. Uh, this. The church, Paul had been taken in verse 22 about the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you want to experience the fullness of God, you can only experience that in the church. There is no such thing as experiencing the fullness of God apart from the church. We need to recognize that. That's why Paul said, I've got to have your eyes flooded with light so you get this thing. And so, and once you get it now, you have to be willing to sell everything. The problem is, we're not always willing to do that. In Matthew chapter 19 There was a young man that came to Jesus and said, well, what do I got to do? What am I missing in my life? And Jesus said, you know, uh, obey the law. And he said, well, I've done all of that. What am I still lacking? In other words, the young man knew, I'm trying to live right before God, but I know something is missing. Jesus told him this in Matthew 19, verse 21. If you want to be perfect, Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have, there's a word treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Verse 22 When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Great wealth. You see, when you believe that what you possess, is more valuable than experiencing the fullness of God's presence in the church like the young man you won't be willing to sell we have to be recognize that this heart is desperately wicked Amen. and we all have possessions things that we treasure whether they're relationships whether they're actual physical treasures Jesus comes along and notice, Jesus is not begging anybody. Jesus will never beg you. He will tell you straight up You want to be my disciple? You got to sell everything. If you don't sell everything, you can't be my disciple. You choose. And then you have to make a choice. And so when that comes, okay, God, what does everything mean? You know. You know the one thing that keeps coming into your heart that I keep telling you, it got to go? That's the thing. Yeah, but, but, but I'm giving my tithes. I'm, I'm even serving in ministry. But you haven't given everything. And it's amazing how the one thing we're not willing to let go is the one thing that holds us back from experiencing the fullness of God. And it doesn't matter what other people think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. In the sense, well, this is just a small thing. Well, it's not a small thing. If you're not willing to go, that's your greater treasure. And to you, it's greater than the presence of the Lord. That's why you're not willing to part with it. That's why we get so stubborn in our way and say, no, I want this. Yeah, but if you hold on to that, it's going to cost you God's presence. It's going to cost you experiencing the fullness of God. I don't care because this is more important to me this has a greater value to me than what you're talking about and when we get into that place we forfeit we walk away sad just like that young man because we're just not willing to pay that price see I'm talking tonight about the greater treasure and this kingdom principle that you have to give up treasure to possess greater treasure. You have to be willing to give everything to God. Because the moment we hold back, we forfeit, we lose out. And the Lord will never make us do anything. You can't pray, oh God, help me to to let go of this. God doesn't answer a prayer like that. Because what you're saying is, God, you make me let go, and then I'll let go, and God says, no. You have to let go. I'm not going to sell it for you. You have to sell everything. And if you're not willing to sell it, then you cannot be my disciple. And I'm sharing this thought tonight that God put in my heart because we need to pray. Not just even for ourselves. We need desperately that prayer for ourselves. But I want us to pray for the church in general. Because, listen, the kingdom of God is hidden. It's not easily seen by the majority of God's people. Can I share, be totally transparent. The prayer meeting should be standing room only. If we see, if we truly understand the greater treasure That, my God, we can possess Jesus. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will do. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I'm in the midst. If we really saw that, if we really had our hearts flooded with light, my God, the prayer meeting would be standing room only. Come on, I want to get to the house of God. I want to pray with God's people. And if whatever I got to give up to get there, I don't care. It's not worth that. That thing has to go because I got to get into God's house with God's people. So that we can pray and see God release his presence into people's lives. Those people that we prayed about that need Jesus. You and I can't do it. We can sow a mustard seed, but then it takes the spirit of God to move, to water that seed. It takes the spirit of God to cause it to grow. How does that happen? We got to pray. That's what the scriptures teach us. We got to cry out to God. And so I want to pray for the church, not just our church, but the church in general. God, open our eyes. The kingdom of heaven is hidden in the church. But so many of us don't look at church in that light. We just look at it as maybe a social gathering or a place where, well, maybe I can go for a week and feel good about myself. Man, that wasn't God's idea. Jesus died for the church to make us one and, and, and to so that, create a place where you and I can come and together experience the manifest presence of God. We need to pray for that. And we need to pray, pray tonight that we would be willing to sell everything we have to purchase that, Amen. to possess The presence of God. Pastor Joey prayed earlier. I want Belmont to be a place where the presence of God is what everybody comes for. I don't want people to come for me. I don't want people to come for anybody that's on this platform. I don't want people to come because of a certain ministry. I want people to come because God is there. God's there. That's what I'm going for.